This is day 173 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Daniel chapters 10 through 12, and then Hosea chapters 1 and 2. Lord God, as we enter into more difficult areas of Scripture, we ask, Lord, for your wisdom in these times so that we can better understand your word, because, Lord, we understand that you are the master teacher. You are the author of the word, and therefore, only you know its meaning. May you reveal mysteries to us in our own lives, as well as to help us be more self-aware of our sin and the shortfalls that we have, so that we can offer you an undivided heart in your glory and in your name. Please bless this time as we enter into your scripture. May it set the pace for our day, as it does every morning. And may this be a refreshment for our souls. Praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in lin, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. And from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. 
Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realms of Greece. And the mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. But as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out toward the four points of the compass, though not to his own descendants, nor according to his authority which he wielded. For his sovereignty will be uprooted and given to others besides him. Then the king of the south will grow strong, along with one of the princes who will gain ascendancy over him and obtain dominion. His domain will be a great dominion indeed. After some years they will form an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north to carry out a peaceful arrangement. But she will not retain her position of power, nor will he remain with his power, but she will be given up, along with those who brought her in and the one who sired her, as well as he who supported her in those times. But one of the descendants of her line will arise in his place, and he will come against their army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he will deal with them and display great strength. Also their gods, with their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold, 
he will take into captivity to Egypt. And he, on his part, will refrain from attacking the king of the north for some years. Then the latter will enter the realm of the king of the south, but will return to his own land. His sons will mobilize and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one of them will keep on coming and overflow and pass through, that he might again wage war upon his very fortress. The king of the south will be enraged and go forth and fight with the king of the north. Then the latter will raise a great multitude, but that multitude will be given into the hand of the former. When the multitude is carried away, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cause tens of thousands to fall, yet he will not prevail. For the king of the north will again raise a greater multitude than the former. And after an interval of some years, he will press on with a great army and much equipment. Now in those times, many will rise up against the king of the south. The violent ones among your people will also lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they will fall down. Then the king of the north will come, cast up a siege ramp, and capture a well-fortified city and the forces of the south will not stand their ground, not even their choicest troops, for there will be no strength to make a stand. But he who comes against him will do as he pleases, and no one will be able to withstand him. He will also stay for a time in the beautiful land, with destruction in his hand. He will set his face to come with the power of his whole kingdom, bringing with him a proposal of peace, which he will put into effect. He will also give him the daughter of women to ruin it. But she will not take a stand for him or be on his side. Then he will turn to face to the coastlands and capture many. But a commander will put a stop to his scorn against him. Moreover, he will repay him for his scorn. So he will turn his face toward the fortresses of his own land, but he will stumble and fall and be found no more. Then in his place one will arise who will send an oppressor through the jewel of his kingdom. Yet within a few days he will be shattered, though not in anger nor in battle. In his place a despicable person will arise, on whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred. But he will come in at a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. The overflowing forces will be flooded away before him and shattered, and also the prince of the covenant. After an alliance is made with him, he will practice deception, and he will go up and gain power with a small force of people. In a time of tranquility, He will enter the richest parts of the realm, and he will accomplish what his fathers never did, nor his ancestors. He will distribute plunder, booty, and possessions among them, and he will devise his schemes against strongholds, but only for a time. He will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south with a large army, 
So this king of the south will mobilize an extremely large and mighty army for war. But he will not stand, for schemes will be devised against him. Those who eat his choice food will destroy him, and his army will overflow, but many will fall down slain. As for both kings, their hearts will be intent on evil, and they will speak lies to each other at the same table. But it will not succeed, for the end is still to come at the appointed time. Then he will return to his land with much plunder, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant, and he will take action and then return to his own land. At the appointed time, he will return and come into the south, but this last time it will not turn out the way it did before. For ships of Kittim will come against him. Therefore he will be disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice. And they will set up the abomination of desolation. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. Yet they will fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished, for that which is decreed will be done. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers, nor for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. But instead, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. He will take action against the strongest of fortresses with the help of a foreign god. And he will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and cause them to rule over the many, and will parcel out land for a price. At the end time, the king of the south will collide with him, and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, and with many ships. And he will enter countries, overthrow them, and pass through. He will also enter the beautiful land, and many countries will fall. But these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom, Moab, and the foremost of the sons of Ammon. Then he will stretch out his hand 
against other countries, and the land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt, and Libyans and Ethiopians will follow at his heels. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him, and he will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. Now at that time, the great prince, Michael, who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. As one said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, I heard, but could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. The word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, 
the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again, and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel, that I would ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and deliver them by the Lord their God, and will not deliver them by bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people, it will be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together, and they will appoint for themselves one leader, and they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, Contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And let her put away her harlotry from her face, and her adultery from between her breasts. For I will strip her naked, and expose her, as on the day when she was born. I will also make her like a wilderness, make her like desert land, and slay her with thirst. Also I will have no compassion on her children, because they are children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it is better for me then than now. For she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold which they used for bale. Therefore, I will take back my grain at harvest time, and my new wine in its season. I will also take away my flax and my wool, given to cover her nakedness. 
and then I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her out of my hand. I will also put an end to all her gaiety, her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths, and all her festal assemblies. I will destroy her vines and fig trees, of which they said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the Baals, when she used to offer sacrifices to them and adorn herself with her earrings and jewelry, and follow her lovers so that she forgot me, declares the Lord God. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, and you will no longer call me Bali. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day I will also make a covenant for them, with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and will make them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. It will come about in that day that I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, to the new wine, and to the oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, You are my people. And they will say, You are my God. Congratulations, we completed another book of the Bible. I'm kind of sad that we're leaving Daniel, but now we're going to go on to different things. So in chapter 10 of Daniel, we see that this is during the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he still calls his name Belteshazzar. So it's kind of obvious that not only is he at the Tigris River when this vision occurs, but it's obvious that he's not one of the people that goes back to Jerusalem to help rebuild. So it looks like Daniel stays the rest of his life in the land of Babylon, because also in the records that we found in Babylon, it says that Daniel lived there until he died, which was around his mid-80s. So that shows us that since the time he became a teenager, he remained faithful to his government position until the day he died. So he sees a vision of a man who the description of him looks very familiar if we read the book of Revelation. 
And then Daniel is being shown a vision, but first he has to be strengthened. And so he sees two different people here in this story, and one of them we can assume is Jesus Christ, but the other one is not clear. Now, a name that is mentioned often in here is Michael, one of the chief princes. Now, this is Michael the archangel. So, Michael is one of the chief princes of heaven. Therefore, he is one of the highest angels in the land, almost like perhaps a general, if you want to put it in human terms. Because not only that, but Michael is going to lead the other angels into war with Satan, which is kind of what we see here as well, because this is end time stuff. Not only that, but he is showing a near future event that's going to happen with Greece. And so Greece is going to be rising up, which we see in chapter 11, after Persia, and will conquer the land. And then Egypt and Syria are mentioned. Those are the ones that are mentioned here as the kings of the south and the kings of the north. King of The kingdom of the south is Egypt, and the kingdom of the north is Syria. This literally has already happened. So, in chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, a mighty king from Greece is going to arise. That's Alexander the Great, because he conquered much of the known world in his short time on earth, because he died at the age of 32, if you recall. Then after that, it mentions about the struggles between the kingdoms of the south and the north, which will be King Ptolemy of Egypt, and the kingdom of the north is the Seleucids of Syria. So this particular king of the south in verse 5 is actually, in the historical records, King Ptolemy I, who died in 285 BC. He ruled Egypt, and one of his princes was Seleucus Nicator, whose kingdom eventually stretched from Palestine to India. After him, it would be Ptolemy II, who would give his daughter in marriage to Antiochus I. But Antiochus deserted her and was later murdered. And this is what we see in verse 6. Verse 6 talks about an alliance. And the daughter of the king will come to the king of the north. And this literally happened. And that was King Ptolemy II's daughter going to Antiochus. Then it'll say in verses 7 and 8 that a descendant will come. And that will be Ptolemy III. And he will invade Syria in the year 246 BC. Then, beginning in verse 9, it discusses a struggle between the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom for that lasts for a long time, about 20, 25 years. Then it'll be in verse 15 where there's going to be a power shift. Antiochus III, also known as Antiochus the Great, will defeat Egypt in Sidon. He came to terms with Ptolemy V and gave him his daughter in marriage. And then he annexed the coastlands of Asia Minor and unsuccessfully tried to invade Greece. And he was defeated by, guess who? The Romans. And then after that, they were forced to pay tribute. Some died. And then he was later succeeded by 
someone else. Thus ends the reign of Antiochus the Great. Then we see in verse 21, we see Antiochus Epiphanes. Now this is where it starts to overlap with the Jewish kingdom again. Because we have the book of the Maccabees, which mentions this particular king. So, verses 21 through 35 will describe the career of Antiochus IV, which is also known as Antiochus Epiphanes. He comes into the throne at 175 BC, and he does come by intrigue. He makes several expeditions into Egypt, and then he turns his hatred on Israel. And then when it mentions the ships of Kittim, those are actually Romans that will come and defeat Antiochus in Egypt. Antiochus will be losing the battle with the Romans, and he's going to take it out on Israel, according to this. He's going to declare that the Jewish traditions and ceremonies are illegal, and he is going to erect in the holy place, which is the temple, he's going to put up a statue of Zeus. Some of the Jews will resist, some of them were martyred, which is what we see in the Maccabees. So very interesting how this all played out exactly as God said, which shouldn't be a surprise to us anymore. But you look at that in parallel with the actual historical documents, it's uncanny. And it happened exactly as stated, and it's so specific that no one could have guessed this. Then in verse 36, it details someone else much later in the future. It goes from Antiochus Epiphanes before the time of Christ to somewhere in our future. It talks about the Antichrist. So we see the future career of the Antichrist and how he comes to be. So some of this is going to refer to Antiochus, but then the scope of it is going toward the end times, kind of how it, Isaiah did it. He would go to near future and then go to far future almost instantaneously, so be careful with that. It mentions in verse 37 that the Antichrist will have no respect for religion or religious heritages. Instead, he considers himself to be a god. His god will be military power and activity. It doesn't mean that the Antichrist will be a Jew, but it does mean that he will be unkind, cruel, and inhumane. And it says that he doesn't love women. I don't know if that means that he's going to be homosexual, or if that he's just not going to be married. I don't know. Then we see verse 40 through 45, which appears to be the tribulation period. Then we go into chapter 12, where it refers to Michael the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. I thought, I thought that was very interesting. This means that Michael is the guardian angel of Israel. Very interesting. In verse 2, it seems to predict the resurrection. Not the resurrection of Christ, but when Jesus returns on his second coming, how the dead will rise and meet the Lord in the air because it says that exactly as such. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, the ones who are saved. 
but the ones who don't are going to be awakened to disgrace and everlasting contempt, the ones going to hell. And such glorious descriptions here. I love it. But then it becomes concealed to Daniel at that time. He's not supposed to know anything else about this. Remember this phrase, the abomination of desolation. We saw that in chapter 11, but it's also here again in chapter 12. The abomination of desolation is the Antichrist. So just remember that because when we go into the New Testament, we will hear this term again, and it will refer to the Antichrist. I don't really know the significance of these particular days here, where it says, when the abomination of desolation will be set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days? I really don't know what that's for. But we get to see a beautiful thing, which shouldn't surprise us because we know who Daniel is. He is he loves the Lord very much. But Daniel is promised that he will rise, he will be resurrected, and he will receive his inheritance in the Lord's millennial kingdom. How glorious is that? And that applies to us as well, if we are of the Lord. And that concludes Daniel. That puts us into Hosea. Hosea is a step back in time, because now we're back into the kings of Hezekiah, Jotham, Ahaz, before the fall of Jerusalem. So, going back in time a bit. The overarching theme of Hosea, if you'll see, is the relationship that God has with Israel and Judah. And the way that he describes the entire nation of Israel as one united people is almost like a marriage, because we see the descriptions here of how God is the husband and Israel is the adulterous wife. And so what Hosea is called to do is he's called to marry a prostitute. Now you would think, why would God want a prophet to marry a prostitute? Isn't that sinful to marry a prostitute? No, it's not, actually, because if you were just to hire one and use their services, that's different. But if you were to get married the proper way, then that would be completely legal. And then he has three children with this woman, and God wants those three children named something very specific. So we see in verse 4, the first child is named Jezreel, which in Hebrew means God sows. So God sows what he's eventually going to reap. In verse 6, the second child is going to be named Lo-Ruhama, which means not pitied or unpitied. So he's going to have no pity on the nation of Israel when they get taken away by Assyria because they have forsook him for so long. And then the third child is going to be named Lo-Ami. And Lo-Ami means not my people. And so he completely gives them up. That's why he says, call him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people. I am not your God. Those are probably one of the hardest words in the Bible to ever see. I am not your God. I do not have any pity on you any longer. 
Ouch. That is terrible. I love how the scripture is multi-meanings in this particular book. So I'm looking forward to reading this one. But this is what we see going on here is it describes the husband and wife relationship that is based off of the covenant that they made at Mount Sinai. Marriage is the closest human covenant that we can get to that describes how God makes covenants. So this is why he uses this illustration or to get to his point. His point is that he's the one who redeemed them from Egypt and he gave them the best of his stuff. And even with that, they still were adulterous with the nations around them. And so he is going to punish them because of the Baals, especially, like we see in verse 13. They forgot God because they were pursuing their lovers, just like an adulterous woman who's cheating on their spouse. And then we see a promise in verse 16 that says, It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, and you will no longer call me Bali. So you will call me husband, Ishi. And you will no longer call me Bali, my owner. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference between being the owner of somebody and being betrothed to them, isn't there? There's a loving relationship involved with being husband and wife rather than being master and servant. And that's what God wants for us. He wants that relationship with Israel. And he wants that relationship with us as well. And this is going to happen at the end times, because God is going to establish a new covenant through Jesus Christ. Just like it says in verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. Very different language from, then you will know that I am the Lord. It is saying, then you will know the Lord. You will know who I am intimately. You will know everything about me as much as I allow. How beautiful is that? That is something to look forward to. And that is something that we, in this current day, should be pursuing actively. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Because he won't always be able to be found. There will be a time where it will be too late, and we don't know when that is. So let's seek, let's seek the Lord while we can. He's standing at the door and knocking. He just wants us to open it to him so that we can come into him. And he can come into us. We have much more to go through Hosea, but we'll stop here for now. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.